Newtown is a special African-American community. With special people. Most of the early arrivals came to Sarasota looking to better their lives. An indomitable spirit emerged out of their struggle, and a strong faith ushered them through many challenges. The Newtown Alive Project recorded oral history interviews to preserve community history and pride. I'm Vicki Oldham. interviewing Sarasota County Commissioner Carolyn Mason at the historic Bidwell Cookhouse in Pioneer Park. Commissioner Mason was elected to the County Commission in 2008 and currently serves as Vice Chairman. She previously served on Sarasota City Commission from 1999 to 2003 and as Mayor from 2001 to 2003. She has served as chair of the Sarasota County Neighborhood Grants Advisory Committee and as a member of the Florida Historic Preservation Advisory Committee. In addition, Ms. Mason is chair of the Roy McBean Boys and Girls Club Advisory Committee and served as vice chairman of the Urban Administration and Transportation Committee of the Florida League of Cities as a member of the Southwest Florida Health Planning Council, the City of Sarasota Civil Service Board, the Community Action Agency Board, and the Children and Youth Services Advisory Board. Commissioner Mason has been the recipient of numerous awards, including the Human Development Award for Community Service by the West Coast Center, the Woman of Color Award, the NAACP Freedom Award, the SCLO Woman of Wisdom Award, the Freedom Fighter Award, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and Girls, Inc. Commissioner Mason was born in Sarasota and is very proud of her three children, 14 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. Commissioner, thank you so much for coming. It's my pleasure. Uh, when did your family first come to Sarasota? Well, as far as I can tell, my mother and my father came somewhere in the 40s. What? Was there a particular event? Um, better opportunities is what my older sisters tell me. And this was from Georgia? My father, Georgia, and my mother, Alabama. Did they, had they met before they came here? They had not. It, it really is interesting because my mother's maiden name was Comer, C-O-M-E-R. When she married my father, it became C-R-O-M-E-R. Oh. But they didn't know each other before. Did they meet at a dance? Or? I, I, I'm not sure where, where they met or how they met because um, my mother died when I was 14. And um, and so I didn't get to ask all those interesting questions. Only of my sisters. They told me later on. Where were you in the 
Um, I was the youngest girl. Currently, there are two older girls um, in their 70s. I have a younger brother, two years younger, and I have um, two older brothers who are deceased. And do they live in this area? My one sister, the very oldest, lives in Winter Haven, and the other sister in Connecticut. Yeah, my brother lives with me, though. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. What type of work did your parents do? My father drove a cement mixer. It was right over at uh, Central and 10th Street. It was R.C. Martin Concrete. And my mother was a maid. For white families? Yes, yes. Actually, the two families that I remember um, lived on, I believe it was 47th Street, just off of the North Trail, and they actually lived across the street from each other, and in the summer, when there was no school, I would um, go to work with her. Oh, and, and help her, so she got through her day. Actually, I played with the kids. She oh. <laughs> did the work. <laughs> did your parents have formal education? No. No, neither graduated from high school. Um, because back then with, um, with black children, uh, a lot of them had to drop out of school to help the family sustain itself. So. And so were they literate? Very. Oh, so they really taught? They, they taught themselves, and, and black communities were, um, were very close-knit. Um, and so um, if I learned something, I shared what I knew with others and, and vice versa. Oh, that's wonderful. It would be good if there was more of their community It would, it would be, certainly would. And where did you live as a child? As a, a child, I was born um, in Sarasota Memorial Hospital, but my parents lived at the corner of 8th Street and Central Avenue okay. in what's now the Rosemary District. I lived in that neighborhood until my mother died in 1964. And at that time, my brother and I um, moved with our oldest sister in Newtown and her family. And Newtown was established at that point. Newtown was established, and even though the spelling is one word, Newtown, it really was the new town for um, Sarasota's black citizens because um, the housing in Overtown, the Rosemary District, was mostly rental houses. There were very few homes owned by by the black citizens. Had your parents owned that? No, no. My grandfather did, but but not my mother. So who did they rent the house? I remember at one time the Halton family they rented the doctor. And then the Colson. So then you moved to Newtown. Then I moved to Educate me because I was a little confused. Uh, there was a community called Black Bottom. Black Bottom is Overtown. Black Bottom was our term for it, but it, it was an affectionate term, and so people who lived there were not upset when a 
other people talked about black bodies. It wasn't derogatory. And it was synonymous with Overtown? Yes, it is. One and the same. And then when people moved from Overtown, when Newtown was developed, did they leave many people in Overtown? No, it, it, it really did not because the housing opportunities were much better in Newtown. Newtown afforded the opportunity for black citizens to own their own homes. And so there there was a lot of that. Um, And it was developed by the county to be appointed? I'm I'm not sure about Newtown's um, development, simply because as a child, I was only allowed in Newtown on Saturdays or Sundays when my mother would allow my brother and I to walk down the train tracks to my sisters mm-hmm. and back home. But once you lived there, you were an adult? Uh, no, I was 14 when I moved there. Let's talk about schooling. Uh, is, is at the age of 14, let's go back a little bit and tell us about about education? Um, Booker High School was um, the designated school for black children in Sarasota County. Um, So that means children from um, Venice, Laurel, um, even the migrant camp uh, at the Celery Fields, those children were bused into Booker High School. That's around the Bee Ridge. That's Fruitville, the uh, east of the interstate, uh, around the library. Okay. Yeah, around that area. So those children were bused in. But it was like a family, um, the school was. The teachers lived in the community around the school. Most of them bought homes there, so they, they actually could walk to work. And oftentimes did because they lived so close. Did the school went from kindergarten through high school? Through high school. There was on the east side of Orange Avenue, there was an elementary school. Then a few years that was torn down and a new elementary school was built up at Myrtle and Orange on the west side. So you had um, an elementary school and a high school. There was no junior high school at that time. And that was strictly for black Black children. And teachers? Teachers. Also. Yes. Okay. I'd like, in your own words, your childhood memories of living here as a black child going to black schools, but still having some interaction with the white community. It was an exciting time um, as a child. While I distinctly remember colored and white bathrooms in the train station on Lemon Avenue, or in the Five and Dime store, uh, both of them, on Main Street. And the there were two theaters on Main Street that we couldn't go in because of the color of our skin. We had a theater, a black theater, on Fifth Street, just east of Central Avenue. The building is still there. But it, it was, from a child's view, it, it was good. I remember riding at 
the back of the bus because I had to for public transportation. Not being able to go to Lido Beach and having to go to Casperson Beach, um, which was located in South County, just a little south of Venice. And um, how did you? Well, uh, my parents had a car, and so on a Sunday afternoon, it would be uh, an all-afternoon thing because there's the drive down there and then the drive back. But in spite of all of that, to me, it was a good childhood. We had a a community in Overtown that was very close-knit, the center of which was uh, the church. I was Baptist, and so the Baptist church was at 7th and Central, and the Methodist church was at 5th and Central. But those were the centers of, of the community. My grandfather was a barber, had a barber shop on Central Avenue, and, um, and, and everybody knew everybody. Um, Everybody looked out for everybody. We lived on, always lived on the east side of Central Avenue, so we were not allowed on the west side of Central Avenue without my mother's permission. And you keep hearing me say my mother because my mother was the disciplinarian in in the family. Um, if if she didn't give us permission to be on that side for whatever reason, the neighbors knew that they had the okay to discipline us and send us packet back to the Yes, yes we did. For you. Yes, we did. Uh, what about health care? Health care, as I remember, that was segregated too. There was one doctor off of Coconut, somewhere around 4th Street, Dr. King. Dr. King um, had an office in his home. He lived there, and he, I remember a long, uh, screened-in front porch. And he, he lived there, and, and I remember at times going there and waiting and, and then going in um, to be seen. There were also a couple of doctors, I understand from my sisters, that were that made house calls, and one was a, a doctor uh, McClellan. And were they black? No, they were not. Oh, okay. they were not. not so they were ahead of their time. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And if you needed to go to the hospital, uh, Sarasota Memorial was. Sarasota Memorial was there. Like I said, I was born in the hospital, but my brother, two years later, was not born in hospital. Um, I don't know if it was they didn't have time to get there. Um, I, I, I assume that was the issue, but I was born in a hospital. So. And were there separate entrances? Or? I, don't, I, know you don't remember. I don't remember. Um, I worked at Sarasota Memorial, but it was in the early 70s, and by then there were not separate entrances. Were you aware of the inequities in this? I was, but my mother raised us to not see color. She raised us to, um, she said, if we have to judge people 
judgment by the way that they treat. And you treat other people the way you want to be treated. An example, when I would go with her in the summer um, um, to work, one little girl that I was very good friends with, um, we were like sisters. Um, I would sleep over at her house. She would come and sleep over at our little house. Her mother, I remember, uh, was an actor at the Players mm-hmm. Theater. So um, she was involved in community theater even back then. But the little girl, the little girl developed leukemia. Oh, and, and she died during our childhood. She was one family. The other family across the street, the children weren't as friendly. And, and that was okay, too, because I always had Didi across the street that I could play with. So she so was my favorite. In your mind, as a young person, you were surrounded by love within your own family, the neighbors, and you didn't feel uh, a reason or need to go further into the world. No, I did not. Not at all. Where did you shop for groceries? There was at the corner of um, Fruitville Road. It's now Fruitville Road. It was 3rd Street then. There was um, a grocery store um, called Margaret Ann, and that was the predecessor of Wayne Dixon. Uh, oh, but, really? yeah. yeah. And there were two neighborhood grocery stores, one on 6th Street, run by uh, Mr. James Horn and his family. And they both were on 6th. Mr. Horn's store was on the east side of 6th. And then the Chadwick family had a store at the corner of 6th and Central, but the west side and it was really very interesting because the Horn family would extend credit to the black community. Oh these were white families and the Chadwicks would not. Cash on the barrel. Cash on the barrel. And I remember it being very uncomfortable as a child for me to go into that store with us. They would follow you around to make sure you didn't pick up anything. But the horns were not like that at all. They were, they actually um, hired one of the older kids from the neighborhood and taught him uh, how to uh, cut meat. And uh, they were really, really good people. And the quality of the meat was it was It was great. What about transportation if you couldn't use a family car? Well, when we didn't have a car, um, there was the bus. And that's um, where you had to sit in the back. Right. But then civil rights came and it was illegal. How long did it take for Florida to catch up? Well, I don't remember because in 1973 I left and I moved to Connecticut. It was really interesting because when I took public transportation, and I did all the time, I I worked at one of the local hospitals, and I took public transportation, and I gravitated to the back of the bus, and uh, I had a co-worker that um, was from North Carolina, and she said, hey Mason, 
You don't have to sit back there anymore. You can sit up here. <laughs> but it was such a habit. To this day, to this day, if I ride public transportation, I'll go to that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And do you still remember the drinking problems? I do very, very vividly. And as a matter of fact, when I drive down Lemon Avenue, and I get to the corner of Main Street, I can see the train station. Mm-hmm. Um, walking down Main Street, I can see the theaters. I, well, the Opera House was one of the theaters, mm-hmm. so that's ever-present. But And the Crest Building is still there, so um, I can see a, a lot. Uh, of memories. Yes. From Connecticut, did you then come back? I came back in 83. I I moved back and um, I was walking through City Hall on my way to Fort Power Light. Remember, Fort Power Light was on Main Street at one time. And, well, this was in 1983 in September. And I was walking through and someone from an office called me by my maiden name. And, and I couldn't see who it was, so I went towards the boys, and it was a woman I had gone through grammar school and high school with, and was a Girl Scout with, and she said, I didn't know you were back in town, and I said, yes, I just got back, and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm headed for the power and light to um, apply for a job. She said, well, why don't you apply here? And it was the city's personnel department at that time. And um, I said, oh, okay. So I applied there, and um, I was subsequently hired. And um, I worked in the building department. That's my first job. And where did you acquire what we call secretarial skills? At Booker High School. Um, my homeroom was in the typing room. The typing teacher was my homeroom teacher. And she said, I'm going to make sure that each of you learns how to type so that at a very minimum, you can get a job typing if you can't get a job doing anything else. And I was fortunate enough to be placed into a program that was called DCT, Diversified Cooperative Training. And that was um, going to school half a day and working the other half of the day. Uh, but the work was connected to the school and vice versa. I got paid. Working for the school? No, no, they placed us in businesses. My first job was at um, Sarasota Federal Savings and Loan Association, which was right next to Firestone. Is that Firestone on Main Street? Firestone. I think it's Firestone, but but there was a bank right next to it, and that was my first job. And then, did you stay in Sarasota? Oh yeah, I stayed. I had stayed in Sarasota until 1973. And then you went. To then I went to Connecticut for ten years. I came back. In 83. Had you lived in Philadelphia? No. Oh, okay. I lived in Connecticut nine years and Pennsylvania, a little town in western Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Du Bois, Pennsylvania, for a year. 
and then you can uh, go back to Sarasota. Well, if you can go back a little bit, and you've done it very well, is there anything you want to add about the physical aspects of the community? What you saw, what you remember? The, the community was, um, there was definitely a dividing line. And for me, I, I call it the Mason-Dixon line, <laughs> and it was Fruitville Road. Mm -hmm. It was Third Street. It, that was the dividing line. Uh, Third and Fruitville. Fruitville Road, before it became Fruitville Road, it was Third Street. Okay. And so that was the dividing line. Because north of Fruitville, Fruitville or Third Street, north was the black community. And south was downtown, the, the more affluent. Community. And, and there were places downtown that I could not go in because of the color of my skin. The theater was had available? The, um, not until um, sometime in the 60s. It was sometime before 1964, because it was before my mother died, that we were able to go into the theaters downtown at the theater um, where the Opera House is, the um, R.C. Cola Bottling Plant, which was on Fruitville Road, right around Osprey Avenue. They would put on shows in the summer, and they would be, um, I don't know, westerns or something uh, kitty-related, and they would have an intermission, and they would have these prizes, um, cases of soda, or these humongous candy bars. Um, I remember uh, one that's called the Sugar Daddy, and it was um, hard kind of caramel on a stick, but it was huge. It was, it was like it was like two feet long or something. It was. I had my eyes on that every Saturday or Wednesday, whenever those shows were. Every week I was gonna win one, and and your admission was six bottle caps from the sodas, and so so that was really easy. And a couple of times I won one of those big. And, but my brother, I had to share it with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> once civil rights came into being, we, once it changed with the schools, where the schools became segregated, busing became segregated, what effect did it have on your life? The, the desegregation of the schools came in... Um, the fall of 1967. Um, before, before school ended um, in June of 67, we were told that we were no longer, that we would not return to Booker High School. Um, that would have been, the fall school year would have been my senior year starting my senior year in high school. And so uh, we were told that we would, we would not be back. They used 
27th Street, which is now Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Way, as a boundary. And those children living north of that boundary were assigned to Riverview High School. And those children living south were assigned to Sarasota High School. It was traumatic. It wasn't a, a, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, let me tell you how it was traumatic. It was traumatic because you, you now are breaking bonds that have been formed since kindergarten, and for some, even before. Um, and then you put us into these schools with no um, understanding of what we can expect. Nor did the white children have an understanding of what to expect from us. All we knew was what we heard the adults in our family say around the dinner table or in the living room or on the porch. And that probably wasn't good for me and for others like me. There, were, there, were, there was a great deal of apprehension, and I imagine with the white children as well. I, I don't remember having any more than two hmm. in the class. It was frightening. It was very frightening. And I believe that it did far more harm than it did good. Overall, overall, the, the community, the black community, didn't even get the opportunity to discuss it with with the school board, um, it was um, it was it was traumatic. And my senior year in high school should oh, yes. be my best year, but but it was um, it was full of apprehension. Where were you academically? Did you feel that you were on the same level as kids who had been going? Through? Well, I, you know, in hindsight, I think. I think that we were even, but I didn't think, I couldn't think past the fear of being around people I had never been around before. I couldn't get past what might happen. Were you in fear of following her? No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it was, it, it was, it was the unknown. What, I didn't know what I was afraid of, but I, but I was Apprehensive. Yeah, now, what about lunch time? Did black kids? Yes, they they would gravitate to each other for comfort and comfort. to feel, but uh, to feel safe. It was a very awkward time, and I, I think, in looking back, I think it should have been treated just like we treat. Incidences of violence on, on campuses. Because I didn't hear of a lot of that back then, but somebody should have talked to the children, all of the children, about what to expect. Somebody, somebody should have said, you don't have anything to worry about. Were there incidents about? I don't remember readily, but in years after, there were. And I think, I, I don't think um, there was very much gained by the way the, the desegregation 
So you can change the laws, but you can't change people's what's in their hearts. That's right. And I, I think it could have been done in a more humane way. You're bringing some children together. And helping them understand what was, what was going to occur. And, and I think the parents should have been afforded the same opportunity. Your mother was caught at the attendant. Your father or not? Well, my sister, by then my father was an alcoholic. So my sister had custody of my brother and I. And she was very community-minded. But um, from what she told me, the community didn't have a lot of opportunity to, uh, to express their concerns. It would have been the school board, the Board of Public Instruction is what it was called. Okay. <laughs> when did the leader within you, the activist, when, what caused that to emerge? One Saturday, I went to, I was working at the city of Sarasota. This must have been around 1985. I went to um, see a production of Hi Hat Hat at um, the Florida Studio Theater. And I was with another black woman uh, that worked with me at, at City Hall. And the, the, the story about Hi Hat Hattie is the story of um, the woman, uh, Hattie McDaniel, who played Mammy in Gone with the Wind. So it was a story of her life. So um, at intermission, um, we went into the lobby and I was really dumbfounded to see that we were the only two black people in the theater. <laughs> I was like, what? why isn't this place full? I, I said to my friend, and she said, I don't know. She was from Memphis. So Memphis was a lot more progressive than, than Sarasota. Uh, and so... Integration. And integration and uh, in arts and culture. After the production was done, I went over on Main Street uh, to pick up something at the drugstore there, and I met Johnny Hunter, who was the publisher and still is of Temple News, which is a, a black publication here in Sarasota. And I said to him, I just went, and I, I didn't see any black people, and this is ridiculous. We need to do something. And he said, well, why don't you write about it in my paper? So I said, okay. Well, that wasn't good enough. I encountered Patricia Caswell, who at the time was the executive director of the Arts Council. And um, I said to her, I went to see this production, yada, yada, yada. She says, well, why don't you join the Arts Council board and do something about it? Because here was my feeling. I knew there were people who um, were talented in the black community, artistically. So, and, and I'm like, well, how can I be a bridge? And so I offered myself um, as a bridge, and I said, use me. And, and indeed, she did. I probably was on the board at one time of every arts organization in, in Sarasota County. So you were working for the, to enhance the artist and the audience. Right. At the same right. time. Right, at the same time. 
No, was Nate Jacobs in the community at that time? Um, not at that time. Not when if he if he was here, I didn't know him at that time. I met him uh, in in later years. Henry Porter. Henry Porter was. I went to high school with Henry Porter. And he started the school. He had started. Um, he had started the church. I remember his first album that was called the HLP Love Campaign. And they actually walked through Newtown selling those albums because I bought one. <laughs> when did you first, and, and I think you may have answered that question, we were talking about the woman who was head of the Arts Council. Uh, what I'm trying to find out is when you began to interact with the white leadership. Of that was it. Okay. The Sarasota County Arts Council. And then you went on. When did you start I, to attain public office? Well, um, that didn't happen until 1999. I went on to be a part of different boards where people would ask me to be on their boards to try and reach the black community. And that was my goal, to be a bridge. And so I worked at City Hall from uh, 73, from 83 to 93. When you met the friend who suggested you apply for a job there? Mm -hmm. 83 to 93, and then in 1999 I was elected to the City Commission. And then you became mayor in 2003, wasn't it? 2001. I was the vice mayor, and the mayor, who was Al who was now the chief of police on Longboat, Al went to the city of Bradenton to be its police chief. And so, by default, I became the mayor. And that was halfway into his term. And then my colleagues was there if uh, they chose me to be the mayor for a full term. And so, after that, so it was a term and a half, right. so to speak. Right. Um, after that, I lost my re-election bid, so I worked in the community. And in 2008, I ran for the county commission and was elected. You had uh, an amazing journey. I have. I have, indeed. It's been a real learning experience for me because now growing up, I was on one side of the tracks, if you will. But as an adult, I had the opportunity to work and volunteer on the other side and then bridge that with my black community. So it's been... Um, Absolutely rewarding and educational for me. You did it. You accomplished it. You're my hero. I think you're amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm still learning. I'm still learning. What, we have a few minutes left. What do you want to say about the issues, problems within the... Let's talk about black community now. Here's what I want to say. I, I want to encourage all people to get involved in their community. Get involved. Understand how your government works. Understand how um, your neighborhood association works because 
if you have that education, then it's a lot harder for you to be taken advantage of. It is a lot easier for you to um, get things accomplished in, in your neighborhood and in your community. Um, I, I want everybody to, to learn what I have learned. I want everybody to get involved so that they know what I know. And the only way you can do it is to get involved. How can we, the community at large, influence teenagers who might be going astray to come back and make a life for themselves? I, you know, I think um, programs like um, the community youth development and then the city has um, uh, a youth group. I think as much as we can, we need to try and touch not only those groups, but any groups of, organized groups of youngsters like at community centers and Boys and Girls Clubs and Girls Incorporated and the YMCA. Um, as much as we can start to talk to those groups of children or wherever children are in the libraries, um, wherever they are, we ought to be taking our messages there and then inviting them to to our places of, of business and 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 volunteer give give them the opportunity to learn what what we have learned and I think that can help build our community going forward. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege. It's my pleasure. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from the Division of Historical Resources at the Florida Department of State. Visit NewtownAlive.org for more information on this episode and other projects.